Can I invite you to open your Bibles? If you're using one in the pew, one of the blue Bibles, it is page 1007. But if you have your Bible with you, if you could open up to Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to look for a few moments, not very long, just a few minutes at God's amazing faithfulness. We are here celebrating his faithfulness. And I want to begin by really capturing one of the reasons Hebrews is one of the one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. And you can actually get to it by even thinking about the sequoia trees, the giant redwoods in California and Oregon. And I want you to know that even though they can get to 300 feet high, some even bigger than that, their roots usually don't go any deeper than 9 to 12 feet. Now I want you to picture that in your mind. 300 foot high tree and its roots... 6 to 9 to 12 feet deep. That's not very deep. They stay on the surface to try to get as much moisture, as much water as they can. So how do the sequoia trees, how do the redwood trees, how do they withstand the storms that are common to the North Pacific region? How do they stay standing? Well, here's what they do, and this is so interesting to me, and this is Hebrews. You find them in groves. You find their root systems intertwining those of the other sequoia trees. Their strength is not the depth of their roots. Their strength is found in the intertwining roots with the other redwood trees. Now, I'd invite you, actually, to get on the internet and look that up. I did. It's an amazing phenomenon. This is the letter of Hebrews. How do you root yourself among the redeemed people in Christ? So that your faith can persevere. And that's really what we're going to look at for just a few minutes. You know, the, the Cornerstone Church, many, many times, has been called a hospital. I've heard that over and over. It seems like we're a clinic for those whose lives are struggling or who have fallen apart, beleaguered, stressed, Listen, if that is you, if your life is sort of tattering on the fringes of almost despair or falling apart, you're among friends. I'm going to tell you that I struggle in my faith. I struggle in my Christian walk. I struggle to get victory over sin. I know that I'm among good company. A lot of us just don't seem to be able to admit it. But we're a hospital, a redeemed hospital. Yet for some of us, and I get the privilege of interfacing with a lot of people who, in the midst of their struggles, are considering giving up on God and just walking away from the Christian faith. Hebrews was written for you. This is the book for a beleaguered, challenged, stressed faith that is heading into despair. This is how you can regain a rejuvenated faith, a strong faith, a faith that will persevere and not give up on God. It was written to a community of mainly Jewish believers who had faced hardship because of their faith and who for a time had endured it really, really well, but now they were slipping away. Now they're right on the fringes of despair. It's a critical time for them, so the author, whoever it is that wrote Hebrews, writes these words, and let's look at them together. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. We're going to look at that for a moment. 
For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, I've given you the backdrop. You ready? This is a group of Christians, a church, a redeemed com community, and they're struggling in their faith. They're heading towards despair. They're flirting with giving up on God. They're, they're really considering maybe this Christian faith isn't all that we thought it was. Maybe we ought to let that go because we were, exp we're experiencing hardships because of it. And maybe there's a better way to go forward. Hold fast. Look what it says. Let us hold fast. You know what that means? It means to hold something down and not let it up and instead master it. Now, parents, I want you to think of maybe your toddler that is absolutely out of control, having a temper tantrum, and you hold that toddler in your arms while they can slowly begin to get control again. That's what it means to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. You learn to keep a firm grip. But what is the confession of our hope? Here it is. You ready? It's the doctrine of the gospel. It's the redemptive truth that salvation is found only in Jesus Christ. You hold fast to that. You hold it down. You pin it down. You don't let it up. You master it. You begin to study it. You meditate on it. You learn it. You memorize it. You, you talk to people about it until you've got a grip on it. You hold fast the confession of our hope. Without wavering. A word that means without bending to the point where you break, without collapsing in the middle of life's storms, when the pressures and the persecution and the temptations come. Now listen, we might bend, we might bend, but you cannot break. You must not break when your family accuses you of joining a cult because of your faith in Jesus. You can bend, but don't break when you're in college and your professors are hostile to your Christian beliefs and they demean you in front of your classmates. You don't break when work pressures move you to try to overlook your integrity. Don't break when sports and the competition wants you to learn to cheat or take the cheating route to gain the advantage. You might struggle for a time with a sinful habit, but listen, those chains are going to break. You must let the chains break of that addiction before your faith does. You hold fast the confession of your hope without wavering. Now, let me show you something really beautiful about the sequoia trees again and about the letter of Hebrews. Look what it did not just say. Hold fast your confession of hope. That's not the right pronoun. Everything in Hebrews is in the plural. Everything in Hebrews is in community language. Let us, that's plural, that's community, hold fast the confession of our, that's community, that's plural, that's redemptive church. We do this together. We're in this together. Your roots interlock with that of others so that when your faith is dipping, when your faith is struggling, somebody else's faith is strong. They're holding you up. And when that storm in life comes, you're not going to fall over because people are holding you up. Now, I feel terrible for the people in our church, and we have them, that somehow cannot find their way into redemptive community. Sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes we're not the best at doing this. 
we got a lot to learn as a church. Sometimes it's your fault. You like the fringe. You're more comfortable on the fridge. You might not, you might complain about it, but you stay out there year after year, and you don't find your way back into sequoia-type, redemptive, networking relationships that will hold you strong. That's where you've got to get to. You've got to lay down your fears. You've got to lay down your fears of rejection. You've got to lay down your need for approval. You've got to find your way into redemptive community. You can have this strong hold on what you believe because it is one of hope. It is the confident expectation that good is coming. That's what hope is. Hope is always about the future. It's never about the past. Hope has an arrow directed forward. It's the confident expectation. God is going to bring good. That's what redemptive hope is. So we hold on. You take masterly control. You hold it down. You don't let it up. The confession of your faith, the redemptive truth of the gospel, you do it without wavering. You might bend, but you don't break. And why? How do we do this? How can we do this? Well, look at what the text says. For he who promised is faithful. Here's the best thing I'm going to tell you today. You know how I know that your faith, Christian brother and sister, will persevere? I didn't, I didn't say can. Will persevere to the end. It's not because I think you're strong enough, and it's not because I think you're finally going to all, as I will, learn how to live in redemptive community. That's part of what we got to do. Listen, my hope, my faith, my confidence is not in our efforts. It's not in my strength. It's not certainly in my exhort of preaching to help you do this. It's in the God who is faithful. Our hope for persevering faith is God. For he who promised is faithful. Now let's just take a reality check for a moment. Is your faith struggling? You're not unusual if it is. I don't know anybody, honestly, I've been doing this for a long time, I don't know anybody, certainly not mine, whose faith does not go through seasons of doubt, seasons of struggle. But you've got to hold on. Why? Because God's coming. God's going to deliver you. God will not leave you to flail and flounder and sink in despair. He's going to bring you up. He's going to deliver. We might begin to despair. We might begin to lose hope. But God's never going to abandon us. Look at the text. He is Faithful, that word faithful means he is worthy of belief, he's worthy of trust, he's worthy of our confidence and our reliance, that's what it means, he's full of faith. So Christian, you might be so discouraged that you're ready to throw in the towel, you might be ready to quit this Christian life, but listen, I'm going to tell you, Hebrews is telling you, it's telling me, hold on, your God is faithful, he is worthy of your trust, he's coming. But what we need are friends in our lives that will remind us of these truths. What we need are friends whose grip will come over ours when it begins to slip from the gospel and tighten us down, hold us down, get mastery even over our sinking faith. We need friends that will come around us, intertwine the roots of their faith, hold us upright amidst the storms of life. And that's where Hebrews goes. Look what it says. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. 
you have a friend that is an encourager? Now, I really want you to think about that for a second, because there's people that don't have these kind of friends. Do you have a friend, a Christian friend? Let me narrow it down. Let me dial it in a little bit. Do you have a Christian friend who is an encourager? You know what that word means, encouraging one another? It is the name for the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, parakaleo. But let me tell you one way that it was used. It was used in a Greek battle where the Greek army was beginning to fatigue, beginning to doubt that they were going to win, and despair like toxicity began to spread among the troops. So the general told one of his lieutenants, I want you to go down there and get their spirits back up. So he did. He went down to the troops. He began to speak to them. He began to reinstill in them a confidence that they could win this battle. And it wasn't long before the energy came back in, long before the spirit came back in, and they did win the battle. That's what this word means. It's the exact same word for what that lieutenant did. So you've got a friend that when, they str when you're struggling, they come around you for the purpose of reinvigorating your faith, of reinstilling a confidence in you to get your eyes vertical to your faithful God and not on the enormity of the circumstances that you suddenly have found yourself in. That's an encouraging friend. They take wavering Christians and refit them for Christian service. So let me ask you again, do you have friends? Let's really, really deliberate with this. Let's kind of think on this. Do you have friends in your life that encourage your faith? Now I'm going to turn this around. You ready? Are you a friend that encourages the faith of others? I got to tell you, it's alarming how little this is happening in our church. I hear about it quite often. I wish I had somebody that would come around me. I hear this all the time. And they're right in the midst of our church. They come regularly. Are you this kind of friend? You know how Job was? Job from the Old Testament, most righteous man in the land, God said. Job chapter 4, verse 4, his friend said this of him. Job, your words have upheld him who was stumbling, and you have made firm the feeble knees. This is the way godly friendship works. This is what it means to encourage somebody. You uphold them when they're struggling. You, you encourage their feeble knees, meaning you solidify the strength so they can stand upright. It's what parents are to teach their children. They model it among their own Christian friends. Listen, if you've got little children, your words, I'm learning this. I'm still learning this. Our words as parents don't sink nearly as deeply as our examples. What they see us do will have more impact in what we tell them to do. So do they see us parents having godly friends that we spend time with? Do they hear you encouraging Friends on the phone, do they see you when you're struggling, encouraged by other friends? This is what it means to live a sequoia-like, redwood, redemptive community. You know, my wife's life verse is Hebrews 10, 24. She was born October 24th. 
It's the way that she seeks to live. She is an encourager. This is her gift. She has a gift of mercy and encouragement. This is the way she wants to live. This is what she does with people. I hear it on the phone all the time. She does it with our children all the time. It's the way our lives, testimonies, can function. They can strengthen those around you. When you saw that testimony of Steve just a few moments ago, did it not galvanize? Was it not a catalyst for you to realize, listen, there might be a sinful habit in your life, but those chains can break. God broke his. There's a struggle in his marriage. God is delivering him through it. There is a redemptive power through a testimony. And when you live your testimony and when you share your testimony, it makes firm the feeble knees. Now let me end with this. This is the most exhortive part of this whole little sermonette. Friends, Cornerstone, look at me for a moment, will you please? I really want this to sink deep in your heart. We've got to live like this. We have got to learn to live like this, where we hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, knowing that God is faithful, and we strengthen those around us through encouraging. we got to live like this. You know why? Because the day is coming. Look what Hebrews says. Live like this and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, there's a few ways to take this. I'll just be very brief. Some understand the day as being the day of Jerusalem's destruction, A.D. 70. And the letter of Hebrews was warning the Christians, hey, come on, you got to get ready for this. That day of destruction is coming. I don't think that's it. Others have interpreted this as being the day that every believer is going to die. It's, at some point, unless Christ tarries, or comes rather, you're going to die. You're going to go to the grave. You're going to meet God. And it's that day of your death and your reunion with Christ or you're meeting him face to face for the first time. As that is approaching, you've got to live like this all the more. I don't think that's the right translation either. I think the third and final one that I'm going to give you is the right one. It's the day when Christ is coming back. It's the day he returns for his church. See, Hebrews is saying, listen, you've got to get ready for this because the, what's going to come before Christ coming back are dark days. They're going to get really, really hard. They're going to get very difficult. You've got to get ready for this. And the single, solitary, solo Christian will not stand in the face of this. You're going to have to have intertwining roots of faith. You're going to have to know God is faithful. If you want to hold on to your faith, your confession of your hope, you've got to live in redemptive community. And our anchor will be that our God is and always has been faithful. Where is your confidence, as I close, where is your hope that your faith will endure to the end of your days? Listen, don't put your hope in your church. Don't put it in your pastor. Don't put it in your own strength. Those, all three of those are going to fail you. Your hope is in God. God is faithful. And he will help you hold on to your confession of hope, your redemptive faith, the doctrine of what Jesus has done. He will help you hold on to that, and he'll do it by bringing around you other believers that will strengthen you and hold you up and make your feeble knees firm. So let's begin to live that way, amen? Let's pray.